Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We've worked our way through 1 Peter and we heard all about suffering in light of the gospel and how the gospel is a comfort for us in our suffering. Today we're going to switch to the Old Testament. As I had promised, we're going to start the book of Jonah. But before we dive in to looking at the text of Jonah, one of the most common questions that we have about Jonah has to do with its historicity. How should we read this book? And so we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about those questions and why they matter this morning so that we can have those kind of set out for us right at the beginning of our study. Because one, it affects how we read the book of Jonah, but two, it affects how we think about Scripture more generally. So let me pray for us and then we'll dive into those questions as they pertain to the book of Jonah specifically, but then also as they pertain to how we deal with the Bible more broadly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have recorded things that are true there for us, and we pray that you would help us to understand how to deal with your word, that we might believe it rightly, that we might be strengthened in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we might be made certain of the hope, security, and identity that we have in him, that we might learn to worship you and walk in righteousness all our days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the question of historicity is a commonly asked question about the book of Jonah. And it's important for us to stop and think a little bit about why it is that we ask this question about Jonah. And of course, let's be honest, it's not hard to figure out why we ask this question about Jonah. It's a story about a man who runs from God, gets thrown into the sea in order to stop a storm, and that works, by the way, in this story. I'm not suggesting that if you're at sea and that you should throw somebody in. But in this story, it works. He gets swallowed by some kind of incredibly large fish, lives there for three days, and then eventually is spit out by this fish onto the shore where he then returns to Nineveh or goes to Nineveh like he was supposed to in the first place and calls them to repentance, and they all do. So as we look at this, there's a number of questions that people raise about the historicity. Now, the obvious ones surround him being swallowed by a great fish in which he dwelt for three days. That's a lot. That's a, a lot to swallow, no pun intended. But then if we think about it, there's some equally incredible claims that throwing someone into the sea would calm a storm immediately that the preaching of one man would bring what is probably a, a large region uh, that, that, that kind of compromises a, a, a metroplex that people knew as Nineveh, that one man showing up and preaching would lead to, to you know, city-wide repentance of a city that we're going to find out has quite a reputation for violence, quite a reputation for just vitriol and all kinds of things that through this one man the entire city would come to repentance. So some people read this story and look at all of those things and say this is just all too much. Maybe something else is going on here. Now one of the other reasons that people often question is Jonah 
to be read historically, or is this kind of a parabolic teaching of some sort, is because it sits in the 12 minor prophets and it sticks out from the rest of the minor prophets. And in fact, it sticks out from the rest of the major prophets as well. It's, it's not a record of Jonah's teaching. It's not really a record of his ministry as a prophet like we have in the other minor prophets. There's actually just really kind of one line that is given about his prophetic ministry in Nineveh. The rest of it is the story of Jonah. It's the story of his life in preparing for, running away from, and, and then eventually going to Nineveh and then responding to God's mercy. It's really more of a story about Jonah and his relationship with God than it is about the Ninevites and repentance in some ways. At least that's one way to read it. And so some people see the, the kind of odd way that this minor prophet is used and say, see, this isn't a normal section of prophecy where we have recorded like we do in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Am, you know, all these other stories where, where we, we have their teaching recorded. And so some people see that as a reason that maybe we should read Jonah a little bit differently. Now, these are all great questions that need to be asked and that we need to process through and think through rather carefully because they do have certain implications. So the first question that we need to ask is, is should we be reading Jonah historically? Some people ask this question, should we read it literally? And we've got to be careful with how we deal with these questions. You can read something historically without reading it literally. And, and what I mean by that is biblical authors can use literary devices that, that tell the story and, and, and make points through tellings of historical events that, that may not leave every exact detail to be read in this literal fashion. Okay, so we see that in the Psalms. There are narrative Psalms where clearly the Psalms are to be read poetically. And, and there are all of these literary devices that are used and, and, and trumped up language is used and flowery language. But these narrative Psalms are using historical events to make these theological points. So we've got to be careful with what we mean, historical, literal. You know, and so one example, was the, the city of Nineveh a literal three days journey to the middle or, or three days journey across, which depending on how you read that, if you take a day's journey as 20 miles, then that would either be 60 miles to the middle if it was a three days journey to the middle of the city or if it was three days journey, uh, uh, you know, so if it was across, that, would make it, that could make it 120 miles. That, that's just a massive city, right? So do we read that detail literally, or is Jonah writing, or whoever wrote the book of Jonah, metaphorically speaking, trying to get us to understand that Nineveh was just a huge place. So you can, you can use hyperbolic language and it still be historical, but it might not be literal. So we've got to be very careful in, in kind of what we're asking in that question. What I'm asking, and the question I think that is more important here, is, is it historical? That is, was there really a guy named Jonah? Did he really get sent to Nineveh and run? 
In response to that, was he swallowed by a great fish and spit out on the shore and then returned to, or go to Nineveh and preach? Did, did, did that happen? We can worry about how the story is told along the way, but did that happen? So the question then becomes, how, how do we deal with this? Well, we, we look at how it's presented. Right at the beginning, we read these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, and then we have the report of what came to him. And so it's presented at the beginning in a historical fashion. Jonah is assigned parent. It's presented in a fairly normal way of reading things, and it gives us some historical reference. In fact, that we can cross-reference. In 2 Kings 14.25, we read these words. He restored the border of Israel from Lebohamoth as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. So the first question is, is Jonah, the character, the prophet, is he historical? And we look at scripture, biblically, we say, well, yeah, he he is. He's recorded in these historical books as a figure who literally, historically existed. So that kind of frames the, the story of Jonah a little bit. So some people will say, well, Jonah needs to be read and we need to understand the hyperbole of the language, and we need to understand the didactic purpose, and and all of these things, and certainly that is true, but that doesn't make it non-historical. Jesus historically taught in parables. The Gospels are written for a purpose. John tells us, I'm writing this that you might believe. There's a didactic faith purpose in his writing. None of those things, even the presence of hyperbolic language to describe a scene, none of those things necessarily mean something isn't historical. The real issue, if we're honest about our motivation in asking this question, is the miracles of what happened. The the, the miraculous calming of the storm the miraculous saving of Jonah from drowning via him being swallowed by a great fish, the miraculous remaining alive in the great fish and being spit out on the shore, the miraculous repentance of this great city, Nineveh. Those are the reasons that we ask this question, if we're honest. And so that, when we ask the question, why does it matter if it's historical or not, Recognizing our motivation in asking the question is very, very important. There are some scholars who argue from use of language and things like that, but the vast, vast, vast majority of us just have a hard time getting our heads around the story itself. It's not the linguistics. It's that a guy was swallowed by a fish and lived. And so that's why asking this question matters. If miracles are a problem for us, then Jonah isn't the only story that we're going to have a problem with. We're going to have a problem with virtually every book of the Bible, aren't we? We're going to have a problem with the story of Jesus. We're going to have a problem with the resurrection. And so one thing we've got to do is be honest about why is it that we're struggling with the historicity of Jonah? 
Because if we're going to believe the Bible, one of the fundamentals is the, the historicity of miracles. Yeah, yes, I know that we have to accept those on faith, but we do indeed have to accept miraculous happenings in Scripture. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, the Bible itself tells us that we're fools for believing this. His resurrection isn't just a philosophical idea. It happened and it meant something. And and he actually presents it in Matthew 12 as being typified or, or, or typologically foreshadowed in the story of Jonah. So we've got to think about our motivation in asking these questions. If we dispense with the historicity of Jonah because we don't know what to do with miracles, then we're not going to have problems just with the book of Jonah. We're going to have problems with the most core teachings of Christianity, the resurrection of Christ. So miracles can't be the reason that we look at Jonah and say, yeah, this isn't historically read. If they are, we run into great, great problems other places. Now, as I mentioned briefly earlier, and we're not going to get into all of this, we may some along the way, there are some people who see in the book of Jonah kind of what they think are the, the earmarks of, of parabolic teaching. And so they try to read Jonah as a parable. Now, if linguistically there are these markers that drive us in that direction, we it's okay. It's okay. So the issue isn't either Jonah is historically read or everything falls apart. That's not really the issue. Now, I'll argue along the way that most of the places where people are trying to find parabolic language in order to to kind of move away from the historicity of Jonah, that generally speaking, their case is way overstated. I, I don't think at the end of the day we're left with any good reason not to read Jonah historically. But I understand that if it were proven, if it were shown by the means of exegetical work that No, this is to be read as a parable. Well, this one story being read that way wouldn't undo our faith. That's why it matters why we're looking at this question. If it's a question of, in essence, I'm not sure that miracle could occur. I'm not sure those miracles could occur. Well, how are we going to make that decision here versus any of the other places that we see miracles happen where where they are clearly, unquestionably presented historically and where the Bible tells us our faith hangs on the historicity of the miracles? So with all that said, yes, I think we should read Jonah historically. I recognize that we have to accept the story on faith because it's asking us to believe something that is incredible, that is miraculous. However, this isn't the first place in Scripture that we're asked to believe the miraculous, nor is it the last place 
that we're asked to believe the miraculous. Our faith depends on it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if he wasn't, as he says he would be in Matthew at chapter 12, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. If that isn't a historical event, the de- life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, then the whole thing is off. And so at the end of the day, I see no reason, as we put these together, put these things together, to, to read Jonah any other way than historically. But that does mean we read it on faith. So that's what we're going to do as we work our way through the book of Jonah. We're going to accept the word of God as it comes to us. Yes, where we find evidence of parables, we'll accept them as parables. I don't think we find those here in Jonah, though. So we're going to journey into this book. We're going to take it piece by piece as we have been. And we're going to see what this story is really about. What we learn about the gospel from the prophet Jonah. I look forward to diving into this with you.